0: All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. I hope you all will forgive me if I stand up, though it's nice to know it's there. Before we come to the word, let's come to the author of that word. Pray with me. Father God, we pray that in these moments you would have your spirit work by and with the word uh, to renew our hearts, to open our minds, that we might know Jesus better and that we might love him more. We pray this in his mighty name. Amen. Uh, It's a delight to be with you this morning. Um, I've been hearing good reports from Sean uh, Colley about what God is doing here. And so it's great to finally come and put faces with the reports and uh, to see how the Lord is working uh, through Grace Community Church. Uh, I, I picked this passage um, in part because the Olympics are coming, right? Uh, I mean, I've been spending way, way too much time um, looking at the track and field trials staying up way too late. Um, I ran track in high school and cross country. I was terrible, but I have always loved it, and so I've always kept track of it. And this passage reminds us that we are running a race. Uh, Paul makes it really clear. Uh, He says, "I, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal. Uh, He's talking about the running of a race. Uh, Running the race is hard. Sometimes it brings up uh, unusual circumstances. Uh, Kathy and I were serving with Mission to the World in Dar es Salaam, and if you'd asked me. 25 years ago where Dar was, I couldn't have shown you on a map. I had no idea before we actually moved our family there. Uh, But during the years that we lived there, uh, some folks broke in, stole a bunch of stuff from our house. One of the things that they took were our driver's licenses. So I had to go down to the main traffic police station in Dar and apply to get these things replaced. I walked in the door, and you know what police stations are like. There's always a big desk, and there was a really tall traffic police sergeant standing behind it in an immaculate white uniform. And he looked at me, pointed to the ledger on the thing, and said, name, address, tribe. And I looked at him, I said, excuse me? And he said, name, address, tribe. Write it down. And I said, Um, Sergeant, I'm sorry, I'm an American, we don't have tribes. And he said, nonsense, son, you just don't know who your people are. I've been thinking about that ever since. Do we really know who our people are? We live in a time where expressive individualism has gone off the rails, where we are told that every aspect of our identity is to be self-constructed within a social location and that the only thing that's true about ourselves is what we claim for ourselves. And for some of us, that's been rooted in our economic stability or our political identity or in a host of other things that we cling to to give us meaning. The Apostle Paul would say here in Philippians 3, hang on just a minute. If you want to know who your people are, you need to remember that you are those whom Jesus Christ has taken a hold of as his bride. You are the ones in the grip of his grace. And so you need to focus on pressing on and running the race together and standing firm till you see his face. Paul begins in verse 12 with this idea of pressing on. Uh, The context for it, of course, is immediately preceding, Verse 7, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish. He says, you know that PhD that I have in rabbinics uh, from Gamaliel University? Not going to trust in that. Um, My name, my stature within my people's community, my hometown, right? My home team, whatever it is, I now count it as loss. Paul says, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. So somehow I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, that's what I long for. Is that what you and I are longing for? That we want to know Christ. Uh, We want to experience the power of his resurrection in our lives. Even if that means going through really hard loss. In times of intense suffering, Paul says, that's what I long for, that's what I want. Then he goes on and says, but I, but I haven't gotten there yet, I haven't attained that. Um, I'm still pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Uh, what I love about this is Paul doesn't say that his ability to run the race is going to be rooted in his strength alone. Rather, he says, I'm going to strive and reach forward to take hold of that for which Jesus has already taken hold of me. Last night, we had the kids. Um, David and Katie were having a movie night. And so Isla, who's four, and Samuel, who's a year and a half, came over. And um, I, I love being a grandfather. Can I just say that? I never had any idea how cool this was going to be. Um, but what I love best are the hugs, Right. Last night, um, Samuel comes into my arms, and he grips my neck with this kind of um, lock, right? Like he's just never going to let go. And I'm thinking, you have no idea, kid, how much I love you, how much I pray for you, how tightly I am holding you in my arms, and I'm never, ever going to let go of you. That's a poor analogy, but it's a picture jesus has taken a hold of you and i our ability to run the race beloved is not rooted solely in our strength or our energy because honestly there are days when we can barely get out of bed right but paul says one thing i do in fact in the original is just two words but one one single laser like focus paul says i'm going to forget what's behind He's not only talking about his accomplishments, he's talking about his failures. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's the failures that really cause us to toss and turn at night. It us to wonder whether we should come to the Lord's table. Uh, the times when we have failed uh, to walk in the ways of the Lord. The, the times we have spoken to those we love in ways that never should have passed our lips. Paul says, you want to know about my failures i could go on and on Uh, he can think about being there when stephen was stoned and he was aiding and abetting by holding the cloaks of the men that stoned stephen but he says i'm going to forget that i'm going to keep my eyes focused on the prize i'm going to press on and strain towards what's ahead The goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Well, what's the prize, right? You want to know. Well, the prize is the totality of salvation. Uh, You can think about it in terms of union with Christ. Or you can think about it as growth and sanctification. Uh, You could talk about it as peace with God. The, The reality is Paul has every single one of those in mind. What it will be to be made new in the presence of jesus to have all of our brokenness stripped away and finally for the first time to experience shalom as we've never known it before to be once and truly whole paul says that's what i'm going to run for that's what i'm going to press on towards that prize Paul says, forget what's behind. Press on towards what's ahead. Listen, if you watch track and field, you know that it's really dangerous to look behind you when you're running the race. For those of you that are young, this is going to sound like something from ancient times. But in 1954, right, Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. Now, what was astonishing was uh, that he was a full-time medical researcher in London. He took the train up to Oxford, uh, went to a friend's house after walking two miles, ate a cheese and ham sandwich, walked to the track, put on his spikes, and on a cinder track with hardly any warm-up, no coach, no crowd, he just blazed through and broke the four-minute mile. It was like landing on the moon for about 76 days uh, when an Australian did the same thing. So of course they had to race each other, right? John Landy, Roger Bannister, British Commonwealth Games, August 1954, the gun goes off. They are neck and neck until the third lap when Landy begins to pull away. And as they come into the last half lap of the race, 220 yards to go, Landy is leading by 10 yards. Now if you run you know that 10 yards might as well be 10 miles at the level at which they're competing but landy looks back to see where bannister is and bannister passes him on the right and wins the race and for his troubles landy got a bronze statue that's still in vancouver uh, showing him looking backwards while bannister is passing him on the right Right? Look, the enemy, Satan wants you to look backwards. He wants you to focus on your failures. Uh, He wants you to to be consumed with the past. And Jesus says, No, you keep your eyes fixed on me. You run into my arms. I know that Pastor Hutch has been reading um, or teaching from uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, so you'll be familiar. Um, with this passage, therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who will make it whole. Faithful is he, Paul says in First Thessalonians five twenty four who has called you, he's going to bring it to pass. By God's grace, by the Holy Spirit, forget what's behind. Strain towards what's ahead and hold on to Jesus and the truth that is in Jesus for dear life with every fiber of your being. You'll finish the race. Um, when I was getting ready to run ninth grade cross country, uh, you know, you had to have a hero. It was the year of the 1960s. Um, Summer Olympic Games in Mexico City. Yes, we actually had Olympics back in the 60s. And uh, my hero was a guy by the name of John Stephen Akwari from Tanzania. And uh, I won't say I moved to Tanzania because of him, but it was in the back of my mind. Um, but anyway, uh, 50, or 76 runners took off uh, that day to run the marathon. Mile high, just like Denver. 57 finished. And at 19 kilometers, so right about just shy of the 12-mile mark, um, they had a jostling in the pack, and John Stephen and Corey got knocked down, mm-hmm. dislocated his right knee. And if you've ever dislocated anything, you know the agony, right, of those nerves and tendons being out of whack. And so he stuck his knee back into place, got to his feet, for another hour and five minutes, stumbled to the finish line. finished an hour after everybody else. And some of the news reporters heard about it, and they came up to him and, of course, thrust a microphone in his face and said, why did you do it? You knew you couldn't win. And John Stephen Corey said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me to finish it. Beloved, Jesus has not taken hold of you for you to start a race. He wants you to finish it. You and I need to press on. But, but I might give you the idea that this is something that is kind of a solo effort. And that's not true. Paul will say, um, beginning in verse 17, join with others in following my example. I think in the ESV it says, imitate me. Um, don't want to put Lucy and Matilda on the spot. But guys, my favorite moment of every new fall semester is when your dad stands in chapel and looks at the freshman class and says to them, what if I told you that I don't wanna teach you to think for yourselves? What if I told you that I want you to think like me? Follow Jesus as Professor Green follows Jesus. Beloved Paul says you need to find mentors and friends that are going to run the race with you. They're going to show you how it's done, how to pace yourself, um, how to to recharge and hydrate and um, eat those horrible, disgusting gel snacks that runners seem to like to consume so that you can stay strong and finish the race. Beloved, you need to find mentors at whatever stage of life you are. And I'm just looking around the room, and I hate to call out anybody because I know I'll miss someone. But I mean, I've got Matt and Kelsey Basil back here. Uh, you want to know what it is to love Jesus? You need to hang out with them. Uh, you want to know what it is to be faithful and following Jesus? You need to, to learn uh, to walk with Corey Dupree. You want to know what it is to use every God-given gift to its fullest potential for his glory. You want to play soccer for Coach Duble, Right? You want to learn how to follow Jesus by following those who are pressing on and following him. Paul says, take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. And, uh, If Hutch hasn't gotten there, he's going to get there soon. There's this wonderful passage in Hebrews uh, chapter 13, where he says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Learn to run the race by following those who are following Jesus. Your friends matter, young people. You need to pick friends that love Jesus more than you do. That will spur you on. I'm not saying you can't have non-Christian friends. But you need to make sure that you are influencing them more than they are influencing you. And Paul says there's a reason you need to be on your guard. Because there are enemies of the cross of Christ. Uh, Paul says, I've told you before and say with tears... Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. What what Paul is saying is these are men and women that are consumed by temporal, visceral appetites. Their mind is only on the present. They're not thinking about the future. They're not thinking about eternity. They can lead you off the track, away from running the race into the arms of the Savior. Paul wants us to run this race together. How do you do that? Well, um, forgive another track illustration. Back in October of 2019, uh, if breaking the four-minute mile was landing on the moon, this was like landing on Mars. Uh, a Kenyan long-distance runner, uh, world record holder in the marathon, Eliud Kipchoge, broke the two-hour marathon mark by 20 seconds. That's absolutely amazing. Now, I I know those of you that run are going to tell me it wasn't a sanctioned race. I know that. Um, So it didn't count. Yeah, it did count. It was amazing. But here's the thing. He didn't run it alone. He ran it in Vienna, but he had an entire team. There was a pace car. Uh, to make sure that he kept at the 434 mile pace for the entire marathon. That's just astonishing. Uh, there was a group of runners that were kind of in a flying V, like a, what is it a flock of geese right out in front of him. Uh, not so much that he would draft them, but that he would be uh, encouraged by them uh, that were running ahead of him and they would swap out so that there were always fresh runners pushing the pace. He broke the world record, but he did it as part of a community. Beloved, you need to be with your brothers and sisters here at Grace. More than you can possibly imagine. When you come together to sing worship songs and to celebrate the Lord's Supper and to observe the sacrament of baptism and to hear the word preached, God is building a community from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And yes, that's why I wore this tie today, to remind us that Jesus is worthy to receive the infinite reward of the travail of his soul. And God's placed you strategically right here in Dade County, right on I-59, to bear witness to the truth that is Jesus. But you do that by running the race together. Finally, Paul says, you press on, you run together, you stand firm. Now, I know he's mixing his metaphors, but he's an apostle, so we'll give him some slack on this. Our citizenship, our commonwealth is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, that's how you stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Paul says, while you're running the race, you don't run it alone. You hang on to Jesus, you hang on to one another, and you stand firm in eager expectation. Uh, the ESV actually renders it, um, we will be transformed, that is, our bodies of humiliation. You have to get to be my age to know what that means, right? Um, great to be a grandfather, but boy, the next morning I can barely get out of bed because um, everything hurts. And often it's more than just our bodies that hurt, right? This has been a hard year. I know you're tired of preachers telling you that, but let's, let's just be honest. My, my daughter's a therapist, and she said we had been in fight or flight mode for the last year and a half. Running from something we can't see. We've all endured loss of all kinds of things. Maybe it was loss of a job. Maybe it was loss of a loved one, a grandparent. Um, I lost a brother friend in the ministry that I was best friends with at seminary. Um, we have... Men and women in our community, and maybe not in this congregation, but it would be very rare if that's not true, that are battling autoimmune diseases. Um, when the weather turns and it starts to cloud up and the thunder and the rain come, your body's hurt and you long for deliverance. Uh, there are those that are undergoing chemotherapy to battle cancer. Um, one of my best friends and colleagues has been in the hospital for a month. Just released yesterday. Um, We could go on and on about the losses that we have endured. And Jesus says, behold, I'm coming soon. And when I come, I'm going to wipe away every tear. There'll be no more sickness or crying or pain. And Paul says, you and I need to live in expectation of that day. Of that moment when everything will be made new. There's this great passage at the end of The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, uh, when Sam wakes up and Gandalf is there, and he says, Gandalf, you're alive. I thought you were dead. I thought I was dead too. Is everything sad going to come untrue? And the glorious good news of the new creation community is, Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's going to happen. And Paul says, in light of that, stand firm. Do you remember what it was like to be in fourth grade and have the night before the last day of school? I I can still remember it now. We were allowed to wear gym shoes on that day. No other day during the year. We could wear shorts. Never allowed to do that. I had my favorite t-shirt picked out. I could barely sleep because I knew that the next morning at noon it would be over and there would be the entire summer to play baseball and uh, to go on hikes and to do road trips with the fam and just to enjoy shalom and i couldn't wait are you and i eagerly awaiting a savior dude I, i'm not talking about your views on eschatology i told my presbytery when i was ordained that i was pre-mill on monday wednesday friday and on mill on tuesday thursday saturday and on sunday i'm pan mill just gonna wait and see what happens right I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you wake up in the morning and say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. I don't know what you've got for me today, but let me live this as if it's the only day I'm going to have. Let me glorify you. Let me serve those I love. Let me use whatever gifts you've given me to the glory of the Father. And go into that day believing that the Holy Spirit is working powerfully within you. And moving you inexorably towards that day when Jesus is going to come back and make everything. You need to be careful what books you read. When I was 18, I read a book called Endurance uh, by Alfred Lansing. Uh, It's the story of the worst explorer that ever lived. Uh, Ernest Shackleton was an abject failure. Every single expedition uh, he ever attempted ended in total failure. Uh, His last one was a real humdinger. He had um, gone with a group of folks on the Endurance. They were going to land on the Antarctic continent and sledge with dogs all the way across the British Trans-Antarctic Expedition. The only problem was he never made it to land. November 1915, the Endurance gets stuck in the pack ice and it's crushed like a matchstick, right? And so they find themselves on the pack ice with three whale boats that they attach sledges to and they begin to hike for the next six months over the ice to try and get to land. Finally getting to a tiny speck in the South Atlantic called Elephant Island. They turn two of the boats over, make a hut uh, for most of the crew to winter in, outfit the other one for a 720 mile voyage across the worst ocean southern ocean It just officially got its southern ocean status uh by the way national geographic right um but here's the thing they didn't have a modern gps uh they had a compass but it was pretty useless at that latitude they had a sextant but they couldn't see the sky to to see uh the stars so they they only had the vaguest idea where they were uh shackleton and two other guys sailed 720 miles to South Georgia Island, the only other plot of land within any reasonable distance. But even there, he messed it up. He landed on the wrong side of the island. So they had to climb to 4,400 feet up glaciers in sea boots without mountaineering equipment and make a 34-mile technical traverse down the ridge, which wasn't repeated until the 1950s by an Italian mountaineering team. And finally, they stood above the whaling station that they were trying to get to. But they didn't have ropes, they didn't have crampons. The only way that Shackleton could see to get down was for them to sit on their backsides and slide. If there had been a crevasse, they would have been toast. But they slid all the way down 4,000 feet. Shackleton got up, dusted the snow off his back, walked into the whaling master's station office, and he said, my name is Shackleton, can I have a boat? And then he passed out for 48 hours uh, from sheer exhaustion. When he came to, they gave him a meal, they gave him a boat. He tried three times to get his men. Two times, the ice froze up and they weren't able to get in uh, to the bay where the men were stationed. The third time, there was a, a lead just big enough for the boat to get in. Uh, he went in, the men were standing on the shore, they quickly boarded, they got out of there like crazy. And it wasn't till the next day. That Shackleton thought to ask his first officer, how on earth did you know I was coming yesterday? And Frank Wilde said, well, I didn't. But every morning after breakfast, I tell the men to roll up their sleeping bags and to get ready. The boss may come today. And we'd go out and stand on the shore and watch for your return. Beloved. If Ernst Shackleton could rescue his men, do you not think that our mighty Savior is going to rescue us? Do you think that all the promises which Paul says of God that are yes and amen in Jesus are not going to be fulfilled? Are we living in that expectation? Eagerly awaiting the Savior. Encouraging one another as we run the race together. Laser-like single focus. We're going to forget what lies behind. And if the enemy throws it up in your face. You tell him you don't know the half of it. But in the name of Jesus. Get off the track. We've got a race to run. Faithful is he who has called you. He's going to bring it to pass. Let's pray. Father God. There are probably many of us. That are just hanging on by our fingernails. Just trying to get through the day. Do the next thing. Finding it hard to believe the promises of your word. Would you this morning by your spirit. Remind us powerfully. shedding abroad your love in our hearts. That we are in the grip of grace. That Jesus has taken a hold of us. He is not letting go. If that's true. That nothing will separate us from his love. Then we have nothing to fear. Only encouragement to press on as we run this race together. Together await the mighty return of the one who will make all things new. Give us grace and strength and perseverance, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.